Central Wednesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We're in the mobile Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, A-team is back here. Elliot Friedman is going to join us uh, in a couple of moments. Not sure what we're going to talk about, Sat. It's not like there's a lot of things floating around Canucks world right now. No, I took 24 hours off, and I came back, and I realized there's still plenty to talk about. <laughs> I don't think I missed out on much. No, nope. uh, still uh, crises everywhere, fires to put out, and games to happen. It uh, should be an interesting night here at Rogers Arena. Tampa Bay Lightning are in town, but uh, as we know, uh, the Canucks are encouraging you, if you're coming to Rogers Arena to wear your black, yellow, and red-themed Canucks gear for tonight's matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and also a uh, moment of silence uh, will be held in honor of Gino Ojic, who passed away over the weekend, and the Canucks announcing uh, there will be a bigger celebration and honoring of Gino's life uh, to come later on this season when they host First Nations Night in March. So when it comes to this team right now, Sat, I uh, riled up the listeners of Canuck Central yesterday by saying it's a um, defeatist mentality to feel as though you have to trade everybody off of this roster in order to turn it around. And by everybody, I mean everybody. And I just hear that sentiment too often. Like the sentiment that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes should be a part of the scorched earth rebuild that the Canucks need to do but won't do as an organization. But seemingly most Canucks fans would prefer to see something like that. It's just, it's not something I truly believe in, especially when you have a player playing at a top 10, top 15 level in the league right now in Elias Pettersson. And Quinn Hughes, who even in a bad year, is still among the better defensemen in the National Hockey League. That's just, for as much as the discussion has carried over the last 48 hours since Jim Rutherford spoke, that's the one thing I am, I'm still stuck on. Like, you don't need to move out Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes to get this thing going in a better direction. Yeah, and, and honestly, like... There's way too much time being spent on trying to come up with the word. There's not going to be consensus on what type of rebuild and what type of verbiage should be used on the yeah. Canucks rebuild, right? I would say that most Canucks fans don't want the team to trade Quinn Houston Pedersen. There's a sizable portion of the fans that do, but I do think the ones who are saying trade every single person is still a minority opinion. What most people are agreeing on, however, is that there needs to be a sizable change to the roster. There needs to be a sizable changed what we've seen so far does that include everybody but Patterson or Hughes I think it should include or at least should have everybody up for grabs outside of those two players essentially like that's how I feel about the situation how far is the team going to go they're not going to go that far but if we're looking at the roster next year and we're saying there's no Bo there's no say Garland there's no say Myers no OEL and let's say they make one or two other moves we're talking about five or six core pieces so to speak gone well, that is a pretty major change, isn't it? It is a, a pretty major change. Um, and, and that's the sort of major surgery I think Jim Rutherford was talking about. But I look at, and, and you've sort of mentioned this too in the past, but 
You know, a lot of the teams, even teams that you look at right now that are at the top of the league, did they have to go through uh, the scorched earth sort of rebuild? That, a lot of them have had a first overall pick or a few high-end draft picks in a row or sort of in that yeah. realm. But a lot of teams, like New Jersey as an example, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup final 2012 and have been bad forever. They made the Stanley Cup playoffs once in that time frame, the year Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy. They tanked a little bit. They avoided tanking at first. Then they sort of just fell into it. They go and get Taylor Hall. He drags them into the playoffs one year. The next yeah. year they have to trade him because things are going off the rails. They win two draft lotteries. They won two draft lotteries while not being the worst team in the league. And, yes, like they look – great right now they've got a lot of players coming they've executed since tom fitzgerald got into the gm spot there but how many teams can really bank on winning the draft lottery twice in such a short time frame it's just you know, every element of every team has had an extreme amount of luck to there is a big portion of luck towards them being an elite franchise and where they are now of course there is, but there's also a reality you can't overlook when it comes to championship teams. They've all had top three picks on their roster at some point. Yes. You know, and, and even like the closest example to not having had that is the Boston Bruins, and they had Tyler Sagan, but you can make the point that, hey, he was an important player, he was a rookie, he helped that team out a lot, but it wasn't really the core piece that got them there, essentially. Yeah. But still, but they grabbed Patrice Bergeron, generational two-way centerman, right? They got Zdeno Chara. But every team that's won a championship, especially the past 20, 30 years, has had a top three pick. Uh, Canucks have not had one of those. Uh, could happen this year, as we know, uh, since Jim Rutherford said, uh, well, we're tanking already, aren't we? Uh, all right, let's bring in our next guest. It is uh, Hockey Night in Canada, 32 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman. What's happening, Friedge? Uh, you guys tell me. You guys are out in the center of all the action out there. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's, it's good for us in this business. Obviously, we get a lot of uh, extra content out of every Jim Rutherford speaking. But, um, you know, I've noticed 32 Thoughts uh, has, has kind of been dominated by Canucks talk. They, they're they the team to be right now in, uh, in the National Hockey League or the team to not be yeah. in the National Hockey League. Well, I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot of action going on. There's no question <laughs> about that. Um, you know, it's been... It's it's been a wild couple of weeks. There, there's no question about it. Um, you know, between the coaching staff and the press conference the other day, uh, it's been, as you guys said, it's been no shortage of stuff. No, there really hasn't. And and honestly, I'm not sure when this is all going to end. And I'd still say we're still a, few, a little bit away here as far as an announcement coming on the coach. Maybe we should just start there. I mean, you're reporting it's been, you know, mentioning how it's going to be Rick talking. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that's going to happen. Is it just a situation of it may just take a couple of weeks until the entire situation unfolds and talk, it becomes free to come here more than anything? Um, yes, I think it, I'm sorry. I can't get rid of this freaking cough. Um, I, I think there's a chance it could be next week, uh, but I, I can't pin it down a hundred percent. Um, look, I, I think I feel like a lot of other people that, uh, we don't like the way that this is dragging out um, that uh, um, I think a lot of people would just w wish this would end already. It, it, it doesn't need to happen to Bruce Boudreau or anyone else. Uh, um, 
But, you know, Jim Rutherford was asked about that the other day, and he said, he said he's not making the change early until he's ready to do it. So um, I think that I, I think it could be as early as next week, Sat, but I, I can't think for sure. And, um, you know, someone just sent me a note that uh, Talkett was on the pregame on the uh, TNT show, and uh, he said, uh, I haven't signed a contract. I'm still here or something. A lot of quote that was sent to me. I don't know. I'm not watching it. <laughs> but uh, I do think it's eventually going to happen. How is, um, you know, like with this all being so public and everybody's having their thoughts on how Bruce Boudreaux is, is being treated and has been treated, um, how's Vancouver viewed around the league right now with how this is playing out? I, I don't think people like this, Dan. Uh, I mean, like we said it last Saturday night, I said it on the podcast this week. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody uh, likes it. You know, I don't think, put it this way, I don't think the Canucks wanted this to get out. As a matter of fact, that has been made very clear to me that they are not thrilled it got out. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is something that they've been considering on and off, um, you know, for a few months now. Um, you know, when the team, you know, I mean, you guys don't need me to tell you. It's been a wild year there with ups and downs. You know, the team has... <laughs> has gotten close to a playoff spot and then every time they get close they they lose or go on a bad streak and you know they've made it very clear that they've considered coaching changes and they've talked to other people um so i think when that much is flying around it's only normal that people are going to look into it and um i think it was right around the outdoor game in fenway that I really started to get a sense uh, that something was going to potentially happen. And I think it was last week that I really began to feel comfortable that it was going to happen. And uh, I don't think the Canucks wanted this to get out. This is, I think they really wanted to control the timeline on this. And, you know, I guess some of us are really nosy and they couldn't hold it, but I don't believe this was their plan. I think they, they wanted to make the announcement, and uh, unfortunately for them, they lost control of the situation. Well, you mentioned losing control of the situation, and one of the things that I know you and I kind of joked about, I joked to you about that this team has been very – they've put a big, big focus on not letting anything get out, and they made it very hard for things yep. to get out. And now things are really getting out. And as far as even some of the medical stuff that comes out because of Quinn Hughes speaking out, and just with the overall sense of drama after drama – how surprising is that given that it is Jim Rutherford at the helm and how much they put a focus on not letting the situation get out of control the way it has right now? Well, I, I think that I, I think a couple of things have happened. Number one, I think it's very hard. It's hard. Like some markets, it's, it's harder to keep things quiet. Um, you know, one of those markets, you know, I, I mean, look, like you guys don't need me to tell, don't need me to tell you. There's a lot of people who uh, really care about the Vancouver Canucks. Like, that's a reason that one of the reasons that we're all employed is that there's a lot of people who care about the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, we ask a lot of questions. And the, the other thing is, I really do believe it's harder, it's harder, Sat and Dan, to keep things, a, a lid on things when they're going badly. I think it's a lot easier to keep a lid on things when things are going well because 
what's there to talk about? Things are going well. But when things are going badly, there starts becoming a lot of, well, what's going to happen out there? And what are you hearing? What are you hearing? And, you know, and, and people get frustrated. And I, I think people gossip a bit more when they're pissed off about something. And I, unfortunately, I think in Vancouver, there's been a lot of that this year. It's been a very, very frustrating year. Like one of the reasons things didn't get out very much last year was because it ended really well. And Boudreaux came in and got them on a charge and, you know, things toned down for a little bit. But I think this year it's gone poorly and it means a lot of different directions. And, you know, I, I think the other thing that happens too is whenever you're considering either coaching changes or contracts become an issue, as has your as with your team, people start, you know, pushing their agendas publicly. You know, they want to protect someone or they want to help someone. And I think this year, Sad, it's been a perfect storm of so many things going sideways and so many futures being affected that it was impossible to keep on the, the lid on the information. Well, as we've uh, seen with Bo Horvat, you know, he continues to take the high road when he's asked about the contract and the negotiations while Rutherford has sort of negotiated through the media, uh, even as early as or as last uh, Monday uh, shows. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I get the strategy necessarily, Elliot, but um, it, did Jim kind of unintentionally but kind of intentionally start the bidding war around Bo Horvat on Monday with that comment? I think it had already started. Yeah. I, I think that I think the one thing that Jim did, and I know I, I've said this many times on Merrick's show, is um, I just remember last year where we went from JT Miller being traded to JT Miller just got a seven-year extension. And, you know, Sat, you want to talk about things that happened out of nowhere with no notice. Like, that was Exhibit A. Yeah. Like, I remember when that happened, I was like, holy smokes, like, where did this come from? And so, you know, Dan, you know, what what I think is, is that, I have I always believed that there was a chance that that could happen with Horvat. Like you can say no, 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 and then sign a guy like you did last summer with Miller. And you know I, the Canucks know I've I've said that they've heard me say that before. And I just think in this particular case, but the thing about Rutherford is we can't bitch in the media about people giving us cliches, <laughs> uh, answers. And then he comes out and he lays everything on the table. Like you can't complain about that too. You, no. you either have one or you have the other. And I just think he said, you know what, if I'm coming out here, I'm coming out here with telling the truth. And I think like, I think they might take one more shot at this, but it's very clear to me that Rutherford believes that they are not going to be able to pay him what his market is. Like, I don't think they've gotten close to $8 million a year for Horvat, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to get it. And, uh, you know, I, I think Bull Horvat's bet on himself is going to pay off handsomely. And I think that was more for us than it was for anybody else out there. But if anybody else out there needed to be convinced, then <laughs> he sure did it. Like, I, I do think there's a lot of teams interested. Like, to me, two of the hottest names I'm hearing right now are Horvat and Meyer. And, uh, you know, I, I think teams are are figuring out what they're going to do here. Well, I guess the question for Vancouver here, and, and, and I'm with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they take one more run, at least one more discussion. And I wonder if Rutherford being so public about it was kind of kind of telling Bo's camp, we, we might trade you in a minute now. So if you really want to stay, maybe give us a call here and see what we can do. And, and maybe that's part of it. But is, do you think 
Vancouver's going to get what they're asking for here. Like, you know, it's been reported. I know Jeff's mentioned that at least one team's talked to them about their best prospect and a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. And we know Vancouver wants a high-end young player or a player who's very ready to come out and and be a big part of the team, potentially. Do you think they can land that piece? I think it depends on if they allow someone to talk to them. Mm. Like, Like, one of the things I'm hearing is that San Jose, if they get a trade they like, will let teams talk to Meyer. Now, his situation is a little bit different because uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's got one more year to his UFA, but he has a massive qualifying offer, $10 million. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know how crazy teams are about that. I think if they're going to trade what San Jose wants for Meyer, they're going to want some assurance they can extend him or at least try to. I just think if Vancouver wants to get that for Horvat. I think at some point in time they're going to – like I do think there are teams out there that will take Horvat as a rental happily. Like Minnesota, they can't sign him to a long-term extension. But I think there are going to be some other teams out there, whether it's Boston or whether it's uh, uh, Seattle, I think they're going to want to say, look, if, if you want that, we want to at least be able to talk to them. So what's the argument for not letting – Horvat talk to teams does it kind of give him a little bit of trade protection in a way well I think I think what happens is if you if you let Horvat do that then he kind of controls the process right yeah so what has to happen is you have to make the deal that you want and then say okay you can talk to both like let's just let's just use Let's just use, say, everybody, please don't radio me on this, okay? <laughs> let's just say, for example, it's Seattle, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's just say Seattle has a prospect, a young player that Vancouver really likes. And Seattle says, we'll do that player if we can extend Bo. Then I think then Vancouver can and, – and, you know, for example, what happened last year with Fiala was – when Minnesota and L.A. were talking, Minnesota gave L.A., I think, 48 hours, something like that. But I think it was 48 hours, a window to talk to Fiala so the Kings would know if they could extend him. And even though they didn't sign him in that window, they made the deal because they knew they were close. They knew what it would take. And I think that's what you can do in this particular situation. Like I said, I've, I've heard San Jose, if they get a deal they like that's pending on the other team talking to see if they can extend Meyer. I, I think they're going to they're going to do that. So I, I wonder if eventually at some point Vancouver does too. But you know what, Horvat has to be willing to sign there. Let's yeah. not forget that too. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of that equation as well. Do you think we might see the Luke Shen trade or that potential decision come down a bit sooner than the Bull one? I think it's possible. First of all, <laughs> Shen doesn't make. You know, Bo's at five and a half cents, just under a million. Um, so, yes, I, 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 it's easier to fit. Um, and I, I think the other thing, too, is is that I think the, the Canucks will try their best to do right by Shannon in the sense that even though he doesn't have that total protection, he's not going anywhere where uh, he doesn't, doesn't want to go. I, I'll t- I mentioned Tampa. I know they're very interested. Uh, I heard that some other teams made clear that they're very interested too. And I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota was one of those ones as well. 
So uh, Andre Kuzmenko is coming uh, <laughs> as the other big piece here. Um, yeah. You know, I I would have thought maybe uh, Sat and I have talked about this in the past. You know, maybe a, a contract in the ballpark of Ilya Mikheyev maybe made sense, but now uh, with the way Kuzmenko has played, it, it might be a little bit more than that. Could the Canucks yep. maybe concede more term to, to keep uh, Kuzmenko at a lower average annual value? Because it, it's pretty obvious, as Jim Rutherford said the other day, they want to keep him. Um, I, I think that's still <laughs> still to be determined. Um, right. You know, I, I think the other thing right now, Sad, is, you know, one of the things that's going on out there is that I've had a couple guys tell me that there are players who might want less term to wait to when the cap goes up. Like uh, there's one agent and he actually was telling me today, he wouldn't tell me who the client was. And he was like, he has a team coming and saying they want long term and him and his client are deciding they want to do a short term deal so they can bet on themselves when the cap goes up in a couple of years. So I think that's going to depend I don't know how many discounts is going to be out there, Sat. Like, I think for a guy with Kuzmenko's production, you better be willing to give him a good reason to take any kind of haircut. Uh, Elliot, uh, we'll let you go, but you hung in there almost as long as Jim Rutherford did, taking swings, and you're playing hurt, and you I did was, a good job. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't as good as Rutherford was. He was far more entertaining than I was, that's for sure. Uh, no, no worries, you're the guys. best. Uh, appreciate it, Elliot. Thank you. Oh, and you know what? I, I just want to say that um, I've heard that they've got some really nice things planned for tonight mm-hmm. uh, in, in memory of Gino Ojic. I think they've got some uh, some uh, alumni and, and players who are going to be part of it there. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. I know um, it was it was tough for some Canucks fans about the fact the press conference being on the, on the Monday. Well, things are never easy, but I, I believe that there are some pretty interesting things lined up for tonight. So... I, I hope that the Canucks fans who loved uh, Gino, and I know there were a lot of them who did, uh, I hope you feel he's done uh, right uh, tonight. Awesome. Thanks for this, Elliot. All right. My pleasure, guys. Uh, there is uh, Elliot Friedman. 32 thoughts and hockey night in Canada. And as you heard it, um, some real special things planned tonight in the lead-up to puck drop with the Tampa Bay Lightning honoring uh, the life and uh, the Vancouver Canucks legend, Gino Ojik. So a lot there yeah. uh, with, with Elliot on, uh, on the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and uh, what he mentioned right off the top, essentially, was Rick Tockett, because he's on NHL on TNT. And to kind of bring everybody up to date to what Rick Tockett said on the pregame show there, yep. that he has not signed a contract with Vancouver, but that he has spoken to Jim Rutherford. But he also prefaced that by saying that he's been talking to Rutherford for years. They've been buddies for years. So nothing to see here, kind of, from Rick Tockett. But I'd say there's some uh, pretty good semantics there. <laughs> you, if you, if, let's say, hypothetical situation. Yeah. Let's say you're working somewhere. Okay. Your new deal with somebody else, you have to give your notice before you leave. Yeah. And then once your notice is done, you start with a new employer. Usually yeah. is kind of what happens. Yeah. So semantics. <laughs> and like Elliot mentioned, maybe we see something next week. Maybe next week, maybe a bit from what I've heard, and I've heard you know similar things to I mean obviously Elliot knows far better, but similar things that you know when a change happens, it's most likely going to be Rick Tockett. It may happen in a week or two, maybe a bit longer, but we're still a week or two away, I think, from that announcement happening. Uh, the uh, bye week, uh, not that 
long now. Uh, Canucks will uh, close up their pre bye week, uh, pre All Star break schedule next Friday. So um, that would uh, certainly fall in line with uh, how Rick Tockett could take over and give him some runway to get ready in the job, uh, if that is how it is going to happen. But as of right now, Bruce Boudreaux is the coach. Canucks are getting ready to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we'll discuss some of the things we heard there from Elliot on Bo Horvat, Luke Shen, and Andre Kuzmenko. It's next on Canucks Central.